Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an Oklahoma football fan podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as mostly by two of the other three. Uh, we are we are a, a triumphant instead of the quartet this week. Uh, we've got Matt Burden and Brady Trantham. Brady, how are you doing, man? Good, doing good. Alan Kenny is the Florida State of this podcast. He got left out. It's unfortunate. Didn't make the cut. Didn't Just make, make the cut. Make a tearjerker uh, video so everybody can feel bad for you. But we, we will miss Alan Kenny's presence. He wrote a really good article on Patreon, by the way. He always does. And you should. And if you want to read all those always very great articles on Patreon, you should go to patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Matt, how you holding up, Matt? Doing well, man. It's been a while. Been a while. Thunder duty's been getting in the way. Um, but it's, it's all good, man. And you know, well, it's not all good for the thunder right now, but you know, it's, it's all good with me. I saw that. Injury. I saw that injury report. They're about to have a little three game losing streak. Aren't they? Yes, they are. They <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's, are. It's like, uh, J dubs, J dubs injured. Well, we'll just, we'll just make everybody questionable. Screw it. <laughs> Scheduled <laughs> loss. What do you it mean? Happens. You've got the you've got the first year MVP and the first year rookie of the year on the team. What are you talking about? Hands down, no doubt whatsoever. No, no, no. He's he's not going to be rookie of the year, I don't think, and he's not going to be MVP. Well, unless <laughs> Joel Embiid misses like eight more games or something like that, <laughs> you might be seeing Shea. Wait, wait. Joel condos. Embiid is still in play for the rookie of the year at this point. Yeah, still it's wild. Still, it's, it's the crazy. Kansas oh stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh he in Kansas here. Well, oh he's able to transition. He's been to injured so much well. he hasn't played a full 82 games yet in his career. Yeah. So it's crazy. we do need to we do need to bring a Senate uh, or a little group chat conversation into the podcast real quick. I, I do find this very interesting that Spurs fans, the, the bastion of the beautiful game. Oh no. How everything like everything is all about the team, blah, 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 blah. Are now all of a sudden saying, you know, the rookie of the year award isn't a team award. So uh clearly it goes to the French guy. <laughs> No, it never was. Who says this? Chet Holmgren had seven blocks and 22 points the other night. Product of a system. Because he's got good players around him, dude. I know. I mean, one, that's also very true. (laughs) I had a a podcast on the other podcast. Uh, Man, what's their... uh, Of Kamiar and and Trevor Rogers. Trevor works uh, at the Jocelyn Nation. Barry and Bob podcast it, it should have just been Bob. called the it should have just been called the bud and berry bo- pod bud and but, yeah but Anywho. he him and i had some back and forth on who should win rookie of the year and i was like eh, it, it can be whoever but maybe it's plenty of guys who won't be on the team uh in two years yeah <laughs> jet's playing with who i believe should be the mvp i mean mb is amazing obviously i just think the okc has you guys got something uh undeniably special there leading the team so should be Jacquez, but the Heat have like a nine-game losing streak right now. There's ter- Terry Rozier effect in play. Heat culture. I, <laughs> heat culture. Heat culture. I do. I do understand Oklahoma City fans being completely upset that anytime Wimby like takes three steps forward, it's like cutting to the crowd and everyone's like losing their mind. <laughs> he's seven foot. And he took three steps. I think he's it's never been done. <laughs> yeah. So you I do understand a- that prospect of it. Peyton, you just need to make a fan cut of like in, but like, so for every like two or three, like cutaways to the fans, like reacting mm-hmm. to Wimby, that third cut should be cutting to Taylor Swift, like in the suite, just like putting her hands over the mouth. Like, <laughs> oh my God. 
I, I should do that, but I should make like, instead of him doing like one, he does a, a th- to be serious. He does He's things incredible. that He's incredible. He be is able great. to do. He is great. But I'll, I'll make highlights of him like dribbling normally and then cut to the crowd, losing their mind. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Like doing a regular layup and everyone freaking out. No, Peyton uh, and I, Peyton and I went to that um, Thunder Spurs game a few I months ago. I thought he ago. died. I thought he was injured. I thought we lost him for the year. <laughs> And, fell the, down. <laughs> and we're sitting up in Loud City, so you, you know you, you you can only have so much perspective of how tall these guys are. Um, I mean, there was a it was right it was an inbounds play, so like players are just kind of waiting for the um, ref to hand the player the ball, and uh, Vic Victor is just he's got his hands on his knees and he's like really like trying to breathe, like he was he must have been very tired because he was really bent like at a ninety degree angle, and Jalen J Dub Jalen Williams is um thunder player who's going to guard him and so he's standing up straight and he's got you know he's real close to victor victor is still very much taller than this man and it isn't Jalen williams what six how tall is he matt my bad he's six six what the fuck man yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's six, six. Yeah. that's not fair anyway now that we've got the, uh, that out of the way we'll talk about some basketball stuff later on down but the top priority right now is nfl nfl's king uh you know we just got the check from the uh T- uh, Taylor Swift account, so we're making sure that's happening. We're going to make sure the psyop continues. Uh, oh, as Deion Sanders. Now we've got Nick it all. Nick Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban is retired to coach. Algorithm. Uh, algorithm. Yeah, algorithm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's Deion Sanders head coach. Nick Saban is going to be the DC, and uh, Taylor Swift is going to be the uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, okay. Music Affle- is sponsored by Apple. Oh, I'm joking, joking. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, the NFL is king. We're going to talk a little bit about these playoffs here. We had two games who that were seemingly different <laughs> in, in much ways. Uh, you had the Chiefs uh, versus Ravens. Chiefs coming out on top 17-10. And then the 49ers-Lions. Uh, 49ers obviously coming out 34-31. Just looking at that from the top, I figured those scores would have been flipped, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, you had two, uh, two great quarterbacks going against each other in Chiefs-Raven, and that becomes like a weird defensive struggle. And then you had two teams with, uh, you know, whatever quarterbacks uh, to just run up and down the field on each other uh, in two different halves. Let's start off with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens had to deal with, you know, the camera cutting away to to the suite. You know, that, that had to be tough. You got you can't focus on the field. It's you know, the camera's constantly being jerked back up there. TV timeouts, things of that nature to make sure you get enough Taylor Swift, uh, which is a joke, guys. Taylor Swift, she's cool. Whatever. It's just a human being. It's just a celebrity that's always happened. Jack Nicholas was at Lakers games. They always cut to him. It's just how it happens. What are you going to do? Uh, what, what what did y'all guys think about this game? This Chiefs Ravens uh, AFC matchup. The matchup between two, you know, the MVP quarterback in uh, Lamar Jackson, and then the you know the baby goat, uh, basically not able to produce much offense any way, shape, or form. Really, I, I'm just I'm getting kind of exhausted with how badass the Ravens look during the regular season and then how pedestrian they they get into the postseason and you know this isn't going to be a uh, like dog pile on Lamar Jackson conversation because I mean I think it's silly the guy is obviously very talented uh, football is a team sport and so while there are instances where you can just absolutely point the finger at the quarterback for a team's lack of success in certain situations this isn't one of them but having said that, I wish that Lamar Jackson would remember that he's basically a fucking wide receiver playing quarterback sometimes where he can take off and just be the fastest guy on the field. Uh, I appreciate him being a pass-first quarterback because I think even today with um, how many mobile quarterbacks we have in the game, um, if you look to pass first, your offense can just hum so much easier than if you just immediately bail on the first read and take off. That's like the Michael Vick way to quarterback. And obviously that has a very low ceiling. Uh, but I mean, I just, I want to see Lamar like open that shit up because Baltimore is so talented and they have so many great players on both sides of the football. And yet they just let Kansas city just kind of, yeah, we're going to sleepwalk through the middle of the regular season and then kind of turn it on late. And Oh, we get blitzed by the the Raiders on um, Christmas Eve. Oh, well, and oh yeah, now we're still the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't matter because, um, I mean, really, I, I, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing about Patrick Mahomes. Like, screw all the Taylor Swift talk. I am tired of hearing about Patrick Mahomes and Jason Kelsey. I, I'm, I'm tired of it. 
or Travis Kelsey. I'm just tired of, I'm tired. I don't listen to their damn podcast. Tired of it. Baltimore, please. Why did you screw that up? But it was kind of cool to see Creed uh, Humphrey knock Roquan Smith into the ground because we all know watching that clip. Yeah, I should have played center in the Rose Bowl. Oh, that was good. But that, um, other than that, it was, uh, it was kind of a sloppy game. You hate to see a big play like uh, a fumbling into the end zone for a touchback. I mean, that happened two weeks in a row for Kansas City. And uh, yeah, they just seem to be uh, fortunate more times than not. But it's football, so sometimes that's the most important thing. And for Kansas City, that's what's kind of helped them on their little uh, rejuvenated second half of the season. Yeah, I think the thing there, you're talking about the idea of you know Lamar trying to be uh, a, a pass first passer or pass first quarterback uh, for this game. I think the biggest thing to me, and it kind of uh, echoes what, the sentiment you expressed earlier, this team is great in the regular season and then kind of fumbles it always in, in the, in the postseason. And they, then they do something that gets away from their identity in the postseason. Like, you know, the Ravens ran the football, like that's what they do. Like they run it 30 plus times a game and they only ran it. I think, what was it? Six times, eight times max. Um, eight without eight without Lamar Jackson. Lamar yes. ran it eight. Running backs ran it eight total time, which is that's, just insane. That's some and Lincoln so, Riley. That's some Lincoln Riley with some AJP running Joe Mixon numbers right there. That's that's not acceptable. That's what I was going to say. Who does that sound like to you? A team that is very good in the regular season plays in the playoffs, well, changes up their philosophy, and gets their, shoved into their the dirt. lowest <laughs> total of runs with a running back all year. I think was like seventeen. <laughs> so like cut it cut that in half and that's what they and, did and look i get it like it's the kansas city chiefs they're really good patrick mahomes hasn't lost a playoff game like i understand how when that is your opponent like you might want to be like a little bit over cautious having said that it's not like like usually like teams like this like how baltimore kind of like kicks ass in the regular season and they kind of fumble around in the postseason with little success usually those are offensively like centric teams. Those are offensive finesse teams. That is not Baltimore. I mean, they, they run the football plus their defense is awesome. They don't have like a vanilla passive. Like we'll just, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll prevent big plays type of defense. They've got a badass defense. So they are, they are structured to be better than Kansas city. And yet they just allowed Kansas city to dictate the game and you're playing at home. And that that's, I mean, if the Ravens want to, for some reason, get rid of Lamar Jackson for two a straight up, I mean, I'd be happy with that, though. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about the the Chiefs, and especially this time of year, I, I feel like Andy Reid does such a great job of controlling the clock too. like just like, hey, you're going to we're going to get the ball back. And if we go score, you're not going to see the ball for like nine minutes of game time. Like it just like he is make he's putting a premium on, on all of your offensive possessions like you better not turn it over because you're not getting this ball back for a long ass time. And even if we don't score, we're going to take six minutes off the clock. Like it just, he's putting that much more pressure on you. And also the way Pacheco has been playing, has been running the ball. It just, it makes it that much easier for them because I mean, Patrick Mahomes is starting off second and four, second and five. And like that's second and three. Like he's just in all these just advantageous spots uh, in second and third down that it just, you can't give, you know, an offense that talented, that many opportunities. The spirit shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more live in Norman. We deliver all over town every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405-321-3100. That's 405-321-3100. In from out of town for the game, come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I-35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard-to-find bourbon in store. And even then, like I said, it was still 1710. You know, if the Ravens probably just stick to their ball game, they probably can eat that out. You know, instead they they didn't adjust; they stayed there, and and they end up losing again. Lamar now has this thing where he is, I believe, he has not won a playoff game yet. I, I believe 
that, that doesn't mean he never will. I mean, I think if you look at Peyton Manning's first four playoff games, he also didn't win one, I believe, something of that nature. But I'm also the same guy who used to say, but Peyton Manning also threw more interceptions than Baker Mayfield's first two years. You know, so it's like sometimes maybe hold off on comparing, you know, comparing all-time greats versus uh, people who are playing currently, even though it does seem like Lamar will be now a multi-time uh, MVP winner in the NFL. So a great player. But a team that did make adjustments, your San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> puts away the choking dogs that are the Detroit Lions coming back to win uh, 34 the 31 with Dan Campbell, right? What's the suits? What's his head coach? Uh, Lions head coach Dan Campbell making some insanely boneheaded decisions. In my personal opinion, I understand he may have been on the right side of the math, but it does seem to turn out. I saw it on Twitter. The uh, the host of Slow Newsday. If you guys don't watch that, you should. He's very funny. Uh, sports writer guy cannot remember his name for the life of me. Said he had interviewed Dan Campbell, and Dan Campbell apparently doesn't use analytics. He just goes by his gut. His gut tells him to go for fourth downs a lot. So it's kind of strange there's an analytics discussion happening or the discourse is happening about this when the head coach who did it also doesn't follow <laughs> analytics. <laughs> he just goes by his gut and, and you know coaches by vibes <laughs> at that point in time. Um, but a massive, massive turnaround in this game. Uh, kind of felt like if we're going to keep putting the OU perspective on here, uh, what was that, the Clemson game where OU kind of like looked like they're in control or I guess – the dreaded Rose Bowl. Oh, he was fully in control and then just couldn't do anything uh, in the second half to kind of get past them as the Lions watched the uh, lead disappear. And then a head coach makes some very questionable decisions down the line. Uh, Matt, what do you think about this one? This one is a much more exciting game. <laughs> more things oh, yeah. were happening. <laughs> uh, and, and much more of these decisions came down to like a microcosm of two quarterbacks in a mid-off. Right. Uh, man, I just, I can't believe we're here with Brock Purdy uh, playing in a Super Bowl, to be honest. That's like my main takeaway. I just still can't believe it. Um, I still, like, just reading Twitter, you still don't know if this guy is actually good at football or not. Like, it's, it's still up and down on Twitter. But this one, man, the the stretch in the third quarter from, I think there's like seven minutes left till about two minutes left where, I mean, San Francisco scores twice. Uh, the Lions drop an interception that pops off a dude's helmet and gets caught by Brandon Ayuk down at the five-yard line. Like, I mean, it was uh, that little stretch right there. They just, it, I mean, they go for it on a fourth down in the third quarter. And I think I think that one was um, a good call. I, I don't I don't know if I really agree with the fourth, uh, the fourth quarter one to, like, tie the game up. I probably would have tried to just tie the game up there on that one, but... Uh, that one, you're trying to get something going, and it, I mean, it hits the dude's right in the hands, and he just drops it. It's a complete and utter drop that hits him right in the hands. I mean, what what can you do there? I mean, that, you'd call up a good play, you execute it, and then guy just literally panhands it and drops it. Um, you know, and then you know they're trying to fight, claw their way back in, get a defensive stop, and you have Brock Purdy sacked. Uh, it would have been like second and eighteen like on San Francisco's own like 10 yard line and he slips through doesn't get the sack and completes it for a first down and they keep driving they keep alive it just a ton of missed opportunities for the Lions man I know that I know that they're they're sick about that but I do think this is probably the, the two best teams and I just I don't want to live in a world where Brock Purdy beats Patrick Mahomes for a Super Bowl I think the the, the thing that that struck me the most watching that Lions game or seeing some of those decisions play out. You mentioned the fourth quarter one. Yeah, I think it's fine to go for it or not go for it. I'm not either you know here nor there. You can say you have a philosophy. We're going to stick to that philosophy. But then learning his philosophy is basically, it's how I feel in the moment. <laughs> That's not a philosophy at that point in time. But I think the issue of the fourth down on the in late in the game was that they ran it on third down. They wasted like 45 seconds, had to call a timeout, and then went. It's like, that oh, was the main plan. That was the main plan. What are oh. you doing? Yeah. Like, if you're going to run, fine, but just have the next play right then, right. Like, you're not going to pick. I don't know. It's like the chances of converting that on the third down with a run were probably low. You need to have something already there. I'm fine with running it as long as you just go immediately right into the next play. Instead, they stumbled around and messed around and didn't quite know anything. So this doesn't seem like 
uh, you know, a Brandon Stanley situation at the Rams where he was literally just chasing the numbers every single time. He said, the numbers say, you know, this is a guy who's like, my football gut says we got to go for it, <laughs> you know, without, without for that. Now he's his gut's usually on the side of, of the numbers, uh, but that's a part that kind of just worries me a little bit. What Potentially what if, long terms for him. What if his gut is just telling him that, I mean, if we're going to win this game, like we have to just pull it, pull it out of our ass because San Francisco has all this momentum. And like, that's always my thing with analytics. I, I love analytics because they are useful. They are a tool. And when you're trying to think about football plays in general, um, in certain situations, it's nice to have that guide or that reference to understand like, what does the math suggest um, puts us in the best position to play, but it doesn't really quantify like momentum when you have one team, the Detroit Lions, who kicked ass in the first half, and it looked like they were just going to run out of you know the the park with with the win, and then the second half starts, and San Francisco's big run kind of got spurned on by an absolutely bad throw that fluked into a big time catch, and then that was just it just siphoned the the kind of the buy in and the hope. Um, that the Detroit Lions had in the first half, because as soon as that happened, their offense stopped moving the ball, and then their defense started getting gashed by Brock Purdy on the ground. And so, I think it's easy to dogpile on Dan Campbell, but I like I agree with the from the standpoint of if we're going to win this game, it's going to be because we convert this fourth down. If we kick a field goal here, we might prolong the inevitable, but I, I just I don't like our chances. So. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just that's how mm-hmm. I would that's how I was viewing it when I when I sat down and it was third down, they didn't convert. I'm like, they have to go for it here. Or this game's over. Yeah, I think the, the the sport which we see quote unquote momentum the easiest is in basketball, right? Because it's a yeah. game of runs. You see it, and what do you always what in, in my well how I watch it and what how I ingest the game and the things I hear when I hear this stuff. A team's going on a run. You always hear we have to make a shot. You know, stop the stop the bleeding. You know, call a timeout, get them moving. So that's what I was thinking about, like the field goal thing. It's like just put a, any points on the board. You know, stop them from having you know a twenty-seven to zero run on you. You know, just get any points, and then you can figure something out. And it's just stop the bleeding at this point in time. And that's how it usually happens in basketball. You know, you kind of you kind of stabilize this for a little bit, and then there's another run. But it's usually just don't you know just try to get something so you you can start counterbalancing some of that stuff and. I know that might be like an old school way of, of thinking about football. You know, you're, you, you know, you're kicking, you're punting, you know, you're, you're playing for field position. And, you know, if I'm playing against, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes, I, I don't want to play that game. I want to play, they're punching me. So I need to punch them as hard as I can as well. One of us is going to get knocked out. <laughs> but if I'm playing against Brock Purdy, <laughs> you know, I, I can be a little okay of being like, Hey, just punt it or just go for the field goal there's a chance he just does something insanely stupid. You know, I mean, just their equal opportunity, you know, for him to do something stupid as to do something great. He's, you know, it's not like a Pat Mahomes thing where it's like, you know, 90, 95% chance he's going to do something great. I mean, I would do the math from that perspective, you know, understanding the context of the players you're playing. Um, But I I don't know. It's just such a, a, such a a tell of two quarters on that side. And also, you know, Shanahan's able to win a game when he was trailing, I believe, for the first time in his head coaching history. Uh, <laughs> uh, that part is just kind of wild. I think I, if I have that right, it was something like either he had never won a game in which he had trailed or it was something like one was it, to 50 or something like, like trailing that. in the fourth quarter, trailing period at any point in the game. I mean, damn, he's had awesome teams for the majority. Well, yeah, same, of he, but his offense is mainly like timing based passing with a ton of running so the moment you get behind that offense quite doesn't quite have the juice it's great when you're in front because you just keep running the football uh but it's not really built to come back uh i guess i mean i'm not for sure but it's something it's like at any point in time he's like three and 36 or some bullshit like that the dolphins the dolphins have that same problem and mike mcdaniel is from that shanahan tree um Mm -hmm. i think most of it has to do with tua um He's just a front runner, but I mean, and let me just segue out of my Dolphins hate to uh, Brock Purdy. Um, you know, kind of the thing that I was complaining about with Lamar Jackson of like, dude, we, if the play ain't working, like remember that you are one of the most gifted athletes on the planet. Like, go utilize that. Brock Purdy is not one of the most gifted athletes on the planet by any stretch of the imagination, but he's athletic enough 
and he utilized what he had and it, and he more than helped his team win a game. Now, I don't believe in Brock Purdy in that he is some top five, top eight, top 10 quarterback. I think he's in a awesome situation. I think um, kind of like, a, I hate to, I hate to compare him to Draymond Green, but if Draymond Green had began his career anywhere else, we would not know who he was. We would not know his name. He would just be kind of this goofball that got in trouble a handful of times before he bounced out of the league because his, what he brings to the table was only best utilized because he played with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and those Golden State Warriors. Like he could be himself on that team and that team alone. Brock Purdy is kind of like that. He can he can utilize his skill sets on this team because they've got a really good defense. They've got awesome skill position players. They got a versatile array of skill position players. They don't just have like two fast guys like the Dolphins have. They've got um they've got an all-purpose guy in Debo Samuel. Ayuk is a great receiver that can stretch the field. Um, Christian McCaffrey is incredible um, out of the backfield. And so when you have all that diverse talent on the field at the same time, it's really easy to forget that Brock Purdy can pick up a first down with his feet. And the 49ers needed every single yard that he rushed for, and he made it happen. And, you know, it's again, it's just like when you have quarterbacks that can run that aren't necessarily known as running quarterbacks, I just always want to pull my hair out of like, why are you standing in the pocket for three or four seconds, taking a sack or forcing the ball into a tight window um, in front of the sticks when you need a first down, dude, just run forward, go pick it up. It's, I, I guess sometimes we just make the game a little bit harder than it actually is. I know Kelly Gregg says that a lot on the franchise, but um that to me was a really, really good performance by Brock Purdy. It was a performance that kind of shut up a lot of people, including myself, uh, because I mean, I was yelling at Lamar for not doing it. And I've always kind of pegged Brock Purdy as just a, you know, he's completely and utterly a system guy. You put any other quarterback in the, on that team coached by Shanahan, he's going to bring out the best in him. Um, he, he at least proved to me that, you know, if it's a tight game in the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy has the ball, like, you know, it's, it's by no means over. It's by no means, Oh, he's going to choke. It's just, you know, like we saw him do this, maybe he can do it again. So um, I guess the Brock Purdy legacy and question of how good Brock Purdy actually is, I guess, continues to this day. So kudos to him. And now we get to see the Kansas city chiefs take on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Vegas has, I mean, I don't know if Vegas has learned their lesson, uh, they have Pat Mahomes as a underdog. Once again, uh, it seems to be wild to, to have that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we've got six Oklahoma players. They lead all, just say it's Oklahoma podcast, they lead all college programs with number of players uh, split between these two teams. The Chiefs are four and the 49ers having two. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, a fan of either of these teams. I'm a Broncos fan, so I'm not a big fan of the Chiefs. It sucks they're winning, but uh, you know, congratulations to those uh, Sooners players. And big shout out to James uh, uh, Winchester, uh, Oklahoma uh, alum, uh, Choctaw tribal uh, member and citizen uh, from Washington, Oklahoma, just south there of Norman. Uh, getting it done has has a very, very cool story of like having retired football and working on an oil field and then getting back into it as a deep snapper and all that type of stuff. So it's very, very cool uh, to see him now have a potential go there. But uh, I, I will be personally rooting for the 49ers because Trent needs a ring. Uh, yes, I think he, does. he is a, a Hall of Fame type player, and it would be a shame if he's not able to get one in. Uh, while you know, all of our other, I guess, you know, all the other ones have a ring, I believe. Does Creed have a ring? Yeah, okay, yeah. so yeah, so that, yeah, if the 49ers win, all six of those players didn't have a would have a Super Bowl ring, so that would be something very, very cool in that. Uh, maybe Matt, who are you between this matchup? Who are you liking? Who are you cheering for? Uh, again, I kind of tipped my pick earlier because I don't want to live in a world where Brock Purdy beats Pat Mahomes for a Super Bowl. So, uh, I would, I think I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And I've, you know, on our on our show, I have made the mistake of betting against Patrick Mahomes twice already. So Man. I don't think I'm going to make that mistake again. But it was really, it was one of those I was following like my heart and not my head. My head was like, yeah, take the Chiefs as underdogs always in the playoffs. But I was like, with Buffalo. It felt like if it was going to happen for Buffalo, it was going to be this year. You had them in Buffalo. The weather was shitty. Like, you know, everything looked like it was turning up Buffalo. 
that week. And then, frankly, last week, I just thought the Ravens were a better team than uh, than the Chiefs. But, I mean, scoring 10 points is is pretty gross. So, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I would, I would go with the Chiefs. It would be really cool to see, what, Braden Willis and uh, Trent Williams get a, get a ring. So Have the leftover yeah. Big 12 schools fans made a fancy little graphic about how, well, oh, you might have the most players in the Super Bowl, but our, the two quarterbacks are from two leftover Big 12 schools. I'm sure. So, uh haven't yet, but I'm, I'm sure there will be. Uh, I think and that's, also... and that's why they're a four, the fourth best conference in the country or the third. I don't know how many conferences there are anymore. Nobody and knows. Travis Kelsey, Cincinnati. Okay. So you, you better believe that graphics going out to you. <laughs> he wasn't on the 2010 Cincinnati team that OU beat, by the way, he was, I think that was the year he was suspended. Oh, and breaking news, Kansas state just scored their first point yeah. in <laughs> uh, what? Nine minutes of play. <laughs> they went like eight and a half minutes without scoring. <laughs> And oh, you only had an eight nothing lead. It's gross. Oh. It's so gross right now. Man, I had a thought process going on that for for this. Uh, but anyway, Big yes, Twelve 49ers. schools making fun. Big of Twelve them. schools making fun of them. Oh, a very interesting tidbit. Uh, this will continue the streak of zero Alabama players having scored a point in the Super Bowl. Uh, that has never happened, uh, and that continues on for one more year. Because uh, you know, quarter it's that weird thing where quarterbacks can throw for touchdowns, but that doesn't mean they're scoring touchdowns. You have to be the one actually physically taking the ball across the line. Uh, so zero zero. So Joe Namath doesn't get that for them. So zero zero. Alabama uh, alums having ever scored a that well, that is weird actually. And Jalen Hurts so is the guy OU, who said so that points. Go. Yeah, yeah. So they're calling them OU from that point in time. So damn right, Jalen yeah. Hurts is a Sooner. Uh, no, who, no Alabama. No Alabama. Who is that? No Alabama. Who, what was the What was the name of their Running back who won a Heisman, who's really mid. Mark he was Ingram, mid as a Derrick Henry. Mark Ingram. Mark Derek. Ingram didn't. Sc- Mark. Was he not on a Super Bowl team? No, he the was on the Saints a, for a long time, Saints, but he didn't. Uh, I don't think he was a. I, again, like I what the podcast last week where I I made that claim that OU's program is better than Alabama's. Uh, seriously, if you erase two people from existence, two particular people, Alabama has nothing. In the heart of the South, where all the talent is, they have nothing outside of two dudes. Those two dudes are their program. So I guess, I mean, those two dudes equal more championships than OU. So, I mean, what, who, who really gives a crap about how controversial that take might be? Now, moving back on to college football, the thing we're all here for, I do want to mention right here, again, another uh, former OU quarterback, uh, Tennessee football. They just stay cheating. <laughs> they don't know how not to do it. Uh, it seems like their uh, their future quarterback Nico is uh, uh, you know uh, caught up in some violations in which the NIL program for the uh, Tennessee Volunteers had did some uh, inappropriate things in order to gain his signature uh, in the recruiting process. Uh, I believe he had said uh, the reason I chose this university first of all is I think the whole coaching staff coaching staff is one of the top countries in the nation. And they paid me a lot of money. That last part I added, <laughs> but it does seem to me that is just the exact case. And it was a pay for play, which is technically illegal uh, versus the NCAA. NCAA is dropping some sanctions on Tennessee. Those have not been released yet. Uh, but with now, I think NCAA, uh, Tennessee is considered a repeat offender at this point in time on these exact same type of sanctions. Uh, if you remember Jeremy Pure and the uh, McDonald's bags full of cash. Um, I, my assumption would be they get a, a pretty substantial uh, ban hammer on them pretty, pretty hard. And then Josh might not. Um, I, I won't say Josh needs to be looking for another job, but depending on the violations and their repeater status, it may be very difficult uh, for Josh to continue to build a successful program at Tennessee. Do we have any thoughts on Tennessee being uh, the repeated cheaters that everyone seems to think the Oklahoma Sooners are? I mean, I mean someone's going to get it. I think a few years ago, we all assumed it would be Texas A&M, but they've somehow been able to skirt any type of punishment um, other than just being so fucking shitty on the field and being a, a meme of a program. Um, I mean, their day of reckoning is coming, especially when half their NIL, if not all their NIL money comes from the People's Republic of China. So, I mean, that day is coming. But with Tennessee, um, I mean, it's going to be insert program here, I guess. And really, I mean, our... Peyton, are, are we under the assumption that they're going to get in trouble? Because I see that and it, the headline read like um, over multiple sports, not just football, um, NIL. And so what I what it I is assume over multiple sports, but uh, 
the the headline is I mean obviously the headline's college football because it's the headline and then it's also because Nico is their you know the the top rated player of that class is yeah. the one who does seem to be caught in that. So my assumption is that that collective potentially will be forced to disassociate with the program. Uh, but I'm not for sure what football penalties specifically would be there. But I know the entire athletic department is now, I believe, would be considered a repeat offender at this point in time, which is rough. Yeah, um, but when I saw like mul- over multiple sports, my brain just told me like, oh, yeah, women's soccer is about to get, they're about to get really, really in <laughs> trouble in Tennessee. And they're gonna be like, how sh- shame on you, women's soccer. Look over here, everybody. Look at the women's soccer team while like Hope McDonald's it was worth bags it. Of- yeah, Nico's getting more bags of cash from McDonald's, you know, like over here, away from everybody's attention. So my um, thing is, how do you how do you get caught up in this in the NIL world? Like, how does this because it's happen? it's new money? It's just people with new money attitudes. Like, I I think Alan's kind of talked about it. How like a lot of the desire for insert big wig donor here at some school um, to you know, help sign a player. It's not necessarily we need this player because he fills a need on the roster. It's to have the confidence to walk into your, you know, suits room with all your other suits friends and all your other rich friends and say, I got that guy to come here. So, yeah. And when you just wantonly throw money to the four wins and it in comes like, you know, a handful of big time players um, through the portal. Um, I mean, I guess that could lead to, you know, the whole loose lips sink ships type deal where people just keep talking or um, it's not done in as professional of a manner as it can be. Um, I think as frustrating as as frustrated as I think we are and the fan base is with OU's like kind of one foot in one foot out of the uh, NIL uh, conversation. I'm at least I'm at least happy that. OU appears to be doing it in a rather buttoned up professional way so that this kind of thing doesn't happen in the future, whether or not this becomes official in terms of NIL. We talked about this last week, so go listen to that one if you have it. Um, but yeah, like it's going to happen to programs like SMU got the death penalty because SMU, you, you have never been good and all of a sudden you are and you are just kind of throwing it in everyone's face why you're good. So this is why you're going to get punished and Texas and OU who have been good forever but they don't really yell about it as much as you have. That's why they're able to continue it. So just, you know, cheat with class. It's, it's that, it's that simple. It does seem to be that from the, on the football side, it's tied around Nico taking a visit and that boosters playing for him to have a private plane, I believe to visit the, the university. Uh, that, that is issue because boosters are not allowed to pay for travel for recruits to, uh, you know, in the recruiting uh, world, recruiting realm. I'm just not really for sure from that perspective. It does seem like because like what you know, like NILs can do things, right? So NILs can can contract these players, can talk to these guys and recruits and stuff, but they can't do it under direct guidance of a university. So my assumption is that there's something in that trip and then that payment that was uh, directly involved from the uh, yeah. the university itself or the athletic program itself saying, "Hey, NIL group." pay for his travel to come down here, so on and so forth. That would be my assumption uh, uh, for why they they made a mistake there. If donors are going to get involved in the recruiting process, I mean, everything has to be codified and official and written down. And that's why when uh, Joe Harris and Joe Castiglione flew on a plane to go, you know, technically recruit Brent Venables to become the head coach at OU, that's why they were able to use Tim Headington's private plane to fly down there because they're trying to hire a professional. They're not trying to entice a 17 or 18 year old um, to come play football at their university. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the true difference is just that all the Brent Venables thing that is official and everything's documented. Whereas recruiting is you're a donor and you can be like inside the program, quote unquote, you can know things, but you're not really supposed to understand the intricacies of who are recruiting and why we're recruiting them and who are recruiting against. So that's why you're not able to, I guess, use your big wig donors. Yeah. That's this issue there. And if you guys have any, uh, you know, listeners here on, on the, our key holders or, or, or supporters uh, listening to this, I will have a uh, Jason uh, Belzer on later this week on the uh, through the keyhole uh, on our Patreon page to talk about uh, crimson and cream collective, some ins and outs, some financial situations, things of that nature. He's going to be able to give us a, a pretty open book. The last two times he's been on the podcast, He's been very open about Oklahoma's NIL collective. 
and the efforts in which the Oklahoma fan base and Oklahoma program is making towards, you know, building up the war chest and being able to act actively, you know, recruit players or keep their players in-house and things of that nature. So if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're somewhat, you know, struggling or, you know, coming to a frustration with this NIL world and maybe OU's lack of engagement in that, keep tuned for this Friday. Uh, we'll have a, a podcast out with Jason Belzer. Uh, to answer some questions. I have some questions for some fans. So if you have any questions you'd like me to ask Jason, please email us at keyholesports at gmail.com. And I'll try to add it to the list of things we'll be asking him when it comes to Oklahoma and it's, uh, you know, continued struggle question mark in the uh, NIL world from that point in time. Uh, also, what else we got going here? Just look at the thing. Look at the program. I'm not on the right discord. You're on multiple discords? I'm on multiple discords. You, Oklahoma talking about the portal. We're going to run right through that, Brady. You're not catching me off guard. Uh, this I'm like at a, debate, at a debate club right now. Just talk louder and faster. Uh, Oklahoma lands uh, the Washington offensive lineman in the portal. I was told it was virtually, physically, literally impossible for Oklahoma to get an offensive lineman in the portal. Is able to do so. Uh, one of the brothers, uh, we... There is rumor that the other brother will potentially try to uh, heal up and also portal out, uh, you know, in the spring. So that would add uh, go a long, 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 long way for uh, uh, bolstering uh, Oklahoma's offensive line depth. Brady, you mentioned it in our the one and only Discord I'm on. Uh, you know, Bill Beanbow cannot be blamed for the current state of the offensive oh, yeah. line, but he is currently addressing that state of the offensive line. Uh, does this? Tweak any of does this does this you know perk your ears anything of that nature seeing this uh, offensive lineman transfer in now getting him from the portal I mean, does it kind of help you because I, I think you you and and me both have been somewhat frustrated in this portal game the nil game it this does seem to be ou leaning into that and and going and getting a player uh, of need yeah I mean they need bodies on the offensive line they need depth because th that is something that they don't have so they're addressing that that problem by virtue of just bringing in guys via the portal to increase the amount of players that they will have on their two deep. Um, once you get to spring, then hopefully you have players be healthy in the summer and the fall camp. And then you have a good amount of players on your two deep for actual football in 2024. I mean, the next question that he needs to address now is okay. Of the guys that you've brought in, plus the guys that are here, how many of them are actually good and how many of them are actually, and play well as a unit because that's that's something he tries to figure out four or five sometimes hell six seven games into the big 12 season you can't do that in the sec my man so please please figure that out and i mean i i don't know if uh somewhat jag from usc also florida um helps answer that question the second one meaning um and then also i don't know if um look I will defer to Gabe Eichert's podcast. I'm sure whenever they release a new episode, he'll he'll give you all the intricacies about how this Washington offensive lineman actually is, because I know he had multiple starts on the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. But when I see he had multiple starts, I'm like, okay, so he started because an injury or he once started and then wasn't good enough and then lost his starting position. I don't if know. If you say multiple start, that's rough because he only logged 71 snaps last year. Ah, uh, see, Jag. I see that. I see, Jack. Now, now there could be. Now, some... the issue is his brother. That's what, yep. I mean, the the, your, the player, your, the the rumor is that this is, it's a package deal to get Hatch. It's Hatchet. I can't, I can't say his first name because the Lord saved me. Uh, to try <laughs> to get his, uh, his brother as well. His brother would be the one who would be starting. <laughs> this guy is good body, debt piece, all that type of stuff. We'll see if he's starting, that's an issue. We'll see his brother already tweeted out, go dogs or dogs forever. And so that doesn't bode well because we're the Sooners. So I don't hey, know. What's that? Top dog? Yeah. Uh, oh, top dog. Just that's what he meant. Just someone, someone shot. Psyop Inception. <laughs> There's so many psyops going on right now. So many. Are psyops having a moment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to vote yeah, for the New York times pitch, but yeah. I'm going to vote for PSYOP in the 2024 election. Just write it in. PSYOP. This is a PSYOP. Uh, if, uh, kids, if you're watching this, do not Google PSYOP. Uh, just understand it's a funny thing to laugh at. No, I think this is important for Oklahoma to do this. This now marks the fourth offensive lineman Oklahoma's gotten out of the portal. And if you know rumors and what OU can pull in are true, maybe they'll be able to get uh, one more in there. 
uh, to kind of do that kind of stuff. But they've, they've pulled in two starters. Like, is that sure. what we're under I the impression so. of the North Texas kid and then the, and kid the Michigan from the, State kid? Yeah. So they pulled in two starters. So that's great. There, there's again, you're I, still I think, missing a guard. Yeah. We need a guard to address because the, you got uh, Sexton, you got the North Texas kid, you've got um, the, the Michigan State kid. You have a center currently, uh, <laughs> uh, which potentially could be upgraded, but then you don't have it's, it's got to be you don't Joshua have a right Bates. or a left guard at the yeah 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 it, it, like yes, Trey Everett Trey Everett is your Trey Everett is a backup like if he is starting games not due to injury by like the Texas game or after like that that is going to be a huge problem and hopefully which we're not does, playing the ten- I was going to say hopefully we're not playing the Tennessee quarterback by then hopefully he's been uh, uh <laughs> maybe he's transferred out elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, but but you know, if this were to stay true, Oklahoma would have um, when I say the Michigan State, Michigan State kid, North Texas kid, um, yeah, Sexton. I mean, you got your yes, centers, Sexton. You, you may end up having three of the five being first year player, first year Oklahoma players, and being transfers into the program. I mean, that, yeah, that's that's difficult uh, to withstand some stuff. So if you're an Oklahoma fan and you had some. Um, very strong feelings about the 2023 offensive line. I will go ahead and say the following prepare to continue to have those feelings in 2024. <laughs> uh, if that's the case, it will take, it'll take a while for them to gel. And when they do gel, you know, they'll be gelling by like, you know, game 10. <laughs> it's just, it's just tough. It's tough business when you're having to, you're on the back foot this hard. Everything really starts turning around in 2025 and on. Hopefully 2025 is in the next 2021. Remember how everything was pointing to 2021? <laughs> yeah, the Rattler, the Rattler, he's going to win us a championship year. Yeah, I remember <laughs> oh. that. Yep, yep. And then he Ooh. released the snake penis logo, and, and we all should have known <laughs> <laughs> instantly. It's like, that's not it. That's uh, actually, I had some friends who uh, mentioned that, uh, saying, like, I don't remember that logo. I was like, every single college football media podcast period was talking about that logo when it came out like i remember the solid verbal guys taking a break to talk about that i mean it was a big deal because it was like the first like he was launching a brand it was like right before nil like in really broad daylight it's like yes. this, so this it, college very, football player is trying to make money off of his name and image and his likeness oh my and that's when oak and that's when oklahoma is saying like one of their recruiting pitches to players this is how lincoln Riley this whole thing was the recruiting and, and why that uh God, I can't remember his name, but uh, Keegan loved the dude. The uh, the videographer guy was like head of the marketing or whatever. Oh, that uh, dork! Like the, the big pitch was we we're going to create you uh, re- logos for each of our recruits so they can use those logos, you know, in their professional careers and stuff. And like, look what happened this year. Oklahoma just like tweeted out, "Yeah, we got so and so's facts in the mail." That sounds great. Next, I mean, they had no big deal. There wasn't like somebody jumping out of an airplane and no Muppets like the Baylor's had nothing. It was just like a little graphic and it said, he's committed. The <laughs> entire, and that was that. The entire budget went to Danny Stutzman's uh, Buckus Award finalist video that ultimately became like, oh, I'm coming back for 2024 video. Yeah, th- those Bob's appearance fees are not cheap. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I want to go ahead and promote the rest of our Patreon we got going on this week. I've spoke about, I have uh, Jason Belzer, who is the head of the uh, student NIL group. That group is kind of an umbrella corporation for multiple collectives across multiple universities. Uh, one of those in which we really care about is the Crimson and Cream Collective, which is offic- with the official uh, recognized uh, collective uh, of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, I will be speaking to him Thursday, uh, this Thursday. So if you have any emails or anything, any questions you'd like me to ask him, please send those over at keyholesports at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or individually as well in the DMs. Uh, Brady, you've also got somebody coming down on Friday to record. Uh, give us a little sneak peek of what you got going on there. Yeah, I'm going to talk to somebody named Eddie, um, either at my office. Um, it'll actually be on Thursday. So, I mean, I don't know if that means we'll publish it on Thursday. So it might come out on Friday, but... Um, either going to be at my office or at, uh, Sooner Scoop studio. Cause I mean, his is his buildings like right around the corner from mine. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk, uh, we'll talk a little recruiting. Like we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll step into the recruiting pool a little bit because I know you had a big junior day, uh, weekend recently. So I know everybody wants to hear about stuff like that. We're already looking to 25 and 2026 
I, I'll say children that are really tall and really fast and really big because they are still children. It's 2026 sounds odd to me, uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about all things OU football. So, you know, hopefully we're also talking about, whoo, remember when Porter Moser got fired and then they uh, really put the pedal to the metal and destroyed Kansas State. Right now it's looking like that for the first first win since, what, 2010, Burton? It's been a long-ass time. Uh, <laughs> long yeah. Ass time. What's in that streak? So hopefully we're talking about that too on Thursday. But yeah, whenever that comes out, look for that on Patreon. And then Alan has a Carter Carter uh, Bryant on. Uh, my assumption is it is not the creator of the Bratz toy line, but it's a different person. Uh, I'm not able to get that bio, but it does seem we will have three Patreon episodes uh, coming out in the next uh, you know calendar week to really kind of give everyone uh, an insider look about college football in, in its entirety. Uh, we're trying to pull in some other people as well to talk about uh, you know, the ongoing stuff happening in Congress. I'm trying to reach out uh, to someone, some of the people who actually spoke in front of Congress about the NIL stuff and about the transfer portal stuff uh, as well. They kind of really speak to not only just you know Oklahoma and Oklahoma football, just about the sport and where it's headed in general, because like the, Gal- like the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, you know, line, know what dumb idiot would uh, (laughs) care about the galaxy well me the dumb idiot who lives in one (laughs) you know that's sometimes the issue at that point in time why it's kind of cool to to listen to these points and kind of go from that perspective uh but that runs us through our uh show it's a little short uh, of ou content we apologize for that and also we're getting to the point in time where sports are basically once the super bowl happens uh we're a little kind of in a rough spot with just basketball kind of you know kind of getting us going from that point in time but speaking of basketball uh, Matt Brady, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit mute. Walk me through Oklahoma basketball. What's happening right now? I mean, should we be panicking? I mean, not the game. Not the game is happening right now. They do seem to be doing decently on the on the on, on the defensive end. But where's the pulse for this team uh, as of this point in time? Well, Matt, I think how we can segue from football to basketball really easily is. Hey, OU football fans, just because you don't win in the portal doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Because you could win in the portal in basketball. Apparently, and then once the season starts, you're like, okay, so three, two or three of these guys are just not prepared for this level of play or this conference <laughs> because the Big 12 is a gauntlet in basketball. Um, because I mean, the last few months, I think we would all agree that, yeah, OU addressed all their needs. You know, maybe they need some more size, but they address so many needs on this roster, uh, for Porter Moses' third season. And that's not to say that these guys are busts or Jags or anything like that, but Jamie McCollum, uh, it's it's just it's like I'm seeing Sherfield 2.0, where yeah. first 15 games of the year, awesome, and then he gets a Big 12 play, and it's like he can dribble around, kind of cool, but he can't attack the rim, he can't get a shot off consistently, he can't hit a shot consistently, and so when your primary primary like ball ball handler slash playmaker is that inconsistent. It's just going to trickle down. So um, just because you can't get every guy out of the portal that you want in football doesn't mean it's the end of the world because the opposite applies to. Right. And a little bit different from Grant Sherfield that it didn't rely on him. It doesn't rely on Javion McCollum having a good, a good game for yeah. the Oklahoma to win. Whereas last year it was, okay, is Grant Sherfield hitting? Okay, then they might have a chance to win this one. If he's not, then they got no shot at all. And I don't know, this one... I. McCollum is it's a little concerning right now because one, I think he's OU's best shooter from the outside, and that has not translated from non-conference. So now I that's that's where I'm concerned going forward is just outside shooting. Like uh Latre Darthard is is pretty good uh at times, but he's had a, a couple games where he hasn't been hitting. Uh Rivaldo Sores has come back Suarez. actually and like has has started shooting very well. And like traditionally, I like went back and looked like he's around like a 30 to 32 percent three-point shooter so not great but just watching him shoot it he lo- he has good form like his shot's not broken at all and I think that's why I was like okay let I would I would be okay with with Suarez getting around like four to five threes a game or something like that because I mean I think he can shoot it. I believe in it and now it's finally took it a while for it to come true but it's finally coming true now yeah um so I don't know man I, I just one I the shooting is is the main concern outside. I don't like long term. They're going to have to find somebody who can run into a couple because it doesn't look it doesn't look pretty right now. But yeah. I don't know, man. It's they're they're a lot more fun to watch than they were last year. Last year it was bad. I mean, I remember we talked to Porter Moser, uh, Tyler, and I did this this off season, and 
he I was like, what's the one thing that just sticks out to you about this team as opposed to the past couple? And he just basically cut off my question was like, we're way more athletic. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. You don't have the Groves brothers out there just like, you know, <laughs> huffing and puffing down the floor. You actually got some athletes. And like, to uh, you, to your point of, you know, hey, transfer, like, you know, Javen McCollum is from Siena, right? Played really well at Siena. But again, that's not, you know, the Big 12. The Trey Darthurs from like Utah Valley, right? That's not exactly the Big 12. But some a couple guys who have really kind of taken that next step and been super important for this team is Rivaldo Suarez, like we talked about, transfer from Oregon in the Pac-12, and then Jalen Moore, transfer from Georgia Tech in the ACC. And the both of those guys, I mean, you could argue have been OU's best players these past, I mean, since Big 12 plays started. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the, the hard thing, I think, for OU fans um, right now is just how, I mean, I mean, maybe <clears throat> I'll try to make an analogy to football as much as I can, because I, I know there are a lot of diehard OU basketball fans. I consider myself a diehard OU basketball fan, but this is still, it's a football school. Most of us love football anyway, so I'll try my best. Uh, but you know how we all kind of viewed the football team last year going into the season and then after the first handful of games? Like, I think we, we've seen obvious improvement. I like our chances a little bit more projecting further into the season than I did maybe in the preseason. But Texas is probably still going to be a loss. Um, there's going to be another loss down the road. So, I mean, 10 games is still very much on the table. If they reach that, that's a, that's a great year, uh, year two under Brent. Then they beat Texas. And all of a sudden, we had to just throw our minds into playoff because if they win all these games, they're in the playoff. So is this team playoff caliber? But the the, the whole field is kind of mad. Like Alabama doesn't look elite anymore and Georgia's elite, but they're just one team. So we just suddenly put our minds somewhere where they probably didn't really need to be considering how good OU was as a football team and what their flaws were. And so OU basketball did basically the same thing. I mean, they didn't have like the poster child win over their chief rival who was also ranked in the top, what, three or two, like Texas was. But they, you know, OU basketball just thrusted themselves into the rankings. They were, what, 12-0 and 0 before they played North Carolina yeah. and lost? Yeah. And and while they got beat in that game, that was definitely a game that I left um, after OU had lost going, yeah, they started off really poorly. They probably got shell-shocked by the 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 athletic talent that North Carolina possesses, just the, the increase in talents overall that you're playing against in competition. But once they settled into it, into it, it was a pretty fair back and forth game. So if they can just kind of understand, Hey, clean, clean up the turnovers. Don't start off so poorly. You know, you can play with anybody and, and therefore beat anybody that that's on the schedule. Kansas Texas, be damned. Like you can, you can do that to anybody. And I think at kind of, probably put my mind into a place where it just obviously didn't need to be uh, because you have instances where they start off games incredibly poorly. I mean, the Texas game, everyone wants to point to that seven minute stretch in the second half to start the second half where Texas just hit all these threes and, Oh, you just could not answer anything. I was more concerned of how they started. Like they started just as poorly as they did against North Carolina. They started just as poorly against Kansas as they did against North Carolina. So like the teams that are really good, there is still such an obvious gap in ability yeah. and talent um, that OU just simply does not possess. And like the reason why I keep harping on McCollum is that is supposed to be the player that when you have a stretch where your team isn't hitting shots or like things are just kind of going poorly, you've got a, an X factor guy who can just make a play out of nothing. And OU hasn't had that type of player since probably Austin Reeves. Yeah. But the, but we, nobody remembers that because Austin Reeves was on an otherwise fairly good team that was just i'm you know mow the lawn i just i, I didn't like <laughs> i didn't like how everything was constructed um but my, yeah go ahead oh no sorry no my, my other thing too is like offensively sometimes when you watch this team man they love that just a simple ball screen just right at the top of the key right just milos yuzan coming off a ball screen whether it's godwin whether it's jalen moore john hughley whoever's coming to set the ball screen but the other three guys who aren't involved in the ball screen are just standing. They're not doing it. You're not like at least cut to the basket, like move. To, and I get that's kind of where basketball is heading, uh, especially in the NBA, right? I mean, you see just a lot of screen and rolls and, you know, the other guys kind of stand around. I mean, the Thunder do a great job, about as good a job as anybody of cutting to the basket. Like whenever 
there's some there's a ball screen near their side. Hey, how many layups and dunks do the Thunder get a game just from you know catching people off guard? Like you can do that though in college. Like you have to do that. You and one, I get what you're doing, trying to get as much space and everything like that as you can, but that works whenever you have guys that can shoot it on the outside. And this Oklahoma Oklahoma Sooner team really doesn't. Like, you know, you're having Otega Owe out there and they're going to be like, hey, yeah, if Otega Owe shoots a three, that I will consider that a win on defense. Like, if it goes in or not, like, we're considering that a win rather than a layup or a dunk from somebody else. So, yeah, I don't know. They, they need to get some more movement on offense. They've been a little better the past two games. Uh, this game, not really withstanding because uh, <laughs> this game is just ugly right now. But, um, yeah, just a little more movement on offense, man. Because you'll see Milo Suzanne come off that ball screen and then, like, the other three guys are standing, and if they cover the guy that's rolling to the basket, there's not really anywhere for Yuzan to go with it. So you'll see him dribble around kind of in a circle. It's just like it it looks ugly on offense sometimes. I mean, do you like Porter's half-court offense? Because that was the thing I was excited for was just we're going to have a coach that will not allow players to just stand and watch like the, right. the, the one or two really good offense players you have just do all the work, and then they just stand there. And I know, and I know that that's impossible on every play because – Players have to take a breath. You know, you're tired. You're constantly running. So I understand, but it's like the consistency of it happening to me has been kind of surprising. But at the same time, they're also going through a tough stretch and human beings are human beings. Um, But, you know, like after the Texas loss and the Texas Tech collapse, I saw a handful of people whose OU basketball opinions I respect kind of share their displeasure about Porter Moser and even say things like, I think it's time to like go in a different direction. I'm not there yet. Having said that I do, I am obviously rooting for Porter Moser and I want him to do well. So maybe that has a lot more to do with it, but I I just don't think we've seen enough bad because this team has definitely improved from last year, the, the first two years, it's certainly trending in a, in a good direction. And while the sec isn't like a cakewalk in basketball, it's not the big 12. So OU's going to have a little bit of a an easier path every single game. Not not every other game because like the, those environments are really tough. There are some good teams in the SEC, but it's not the Big Twelve. And so that that to me is what I'm just like. Just get to the SEC, get two years into the SEC, and then we can have that conversation. Unless it's truly nosedived. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. Like you said, I'm not ready to move on yet. And from all that perspective, I think he's still a good coach, but. Uh, just make some free throws. I mean, to me, that is a coaching thing. You know, I mean, you, you know, you, you, I can, you can believe like, hey, we don't have enough three point shooters and so on and so forth. But just they've just suddenly, I, mean, I don't become, know, run them through a bunch of, yeah, they just can't make them anymore. They're shooting the repetition thing. They yeah. started off one for seven from the free throw line tonight. It's in their head. Yeah. And, and it's not like Porter Moser didn't like practice free throws after the Texas game or even before. It's like they, like guys who make shots at the free throw line are missing them. And that's when you're just like, there's nothing you can do. It's in their head. You know, it's just, it's in the script at that point. Like the, like the bad guy's going to win in this scene. There's nothing you can do about it. You're just going to have to sit there and boo and take it. To, uh, I mean, to answer your, your previous question, I, I don't, I don't love what Porter does offensively because there's what I, what I talked about there. It just gets so stagnant and like that Simple. stuff, can, that stuff can work and, and it can like, that can definitely work. But I mean, and there's a reason why the NBA guys do that is because they're the best players in the world, right? Like they can they can make it simple, and you can give those guys a ton of freedom, right? You don't you don't see NBA coaches going down and running, you know, calling set plays every single time. No, because those guys are so good at basketball, like they have that free that that sort of creative freedom that you want them to have to go make plays, and that's just not where some of the college game is. Like I mean. There's not that many guys that are going to go to the NBA every single year. They're not that many guys. Like I get trying to run that offense and do that, but you got to have shooters on the outside, which this Oklahoma team really doesn't have outside of maybe a couple of guys. And so, I mean, I think you can get a ton more motion out there, whether it's setting a screen on the opposite side, because right now, you know, those guys who are stand, those other three guys who aren't involved in that pick and roll, they're standing. And what are their, what are their, the guys that are guarding them do? They're just standing too. They can they can go help off because they know my guy's not moving. He's not cutting to the basket. They're not screening away. They're not doing anything. So I don't I don't love offensive the offensively. I, I do 
Um, I, I do like how this team set up defensively, though. I think I think they have a ton of upside defensively. Peyton, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it was until this very moment that I realized Burton is sitting in front of a mountain of Funko Pop. Oh yeah, man. So, yeah, what they've been there. I've never noticed this. I didn't know you were. My God, man! How I'm many of those guy. are there? A ton. There's a ton. Way too many. We're gonna have to get, we're gonna have to get a screenshot of this. Way too many. That's. <laughs> I'm a Funko guy. What can I say, man? I mean, it's it's like shoes, some shoes and Funkos. I I'd rather you. Funkos. That's it. I'd rather. I'd rather you have what appears to be a hundred Funko Pop. Yeah. Doll statue things than like a like an arsenal of AK-47s. Right. I was about to say, this, do you? Brady this appears it, to be more healthy. <laughs> Yeah, because Brady, it's either this or heroin. Okay, so do you want me to to collect I, pop? I've Funkos been in recovery for heroin? seven years. <laughs> I had to replace one vice for another. It's one or the other, Brady. You tell me which one you want me to do. Well, I mean, I'm sure the radio would improve like by a billion yeah. percent, like in terms of the 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 randomness <laughs> and the sheer, like, what the hell is he going to say next if you went back to the H? Yeah. You know, you might not even show up for a show, and that would add intrigue right. to the show. Like you'd have an Axel Rose where thing, where like, Matt? "Where's Burton?" hashtag yeah. "Where's Burton?" and Tyler Neal has to drive the ship. I show up halfway through the show. <laughs> <laughs> show up halfway through the show, and then two minutes into it, just be like, "I don't want to do radio today." And then you just yeah. walk. Away. Don't you guys just hate your dealer? I mean, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I got something that would be, to that would be great radio. That would be All awesome. Right. In, in, in the effort in which we are trying to attract other uh, other sponsors and advertisers to the podcast, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this. <laughs> we Don't do drugs, kids. So much. Do, do not do them. Dare program. Sign Get up for the most local one right now. Get Funkos instead. Hashtag Funkos instead. Uh, yeah, Funkos. Please, please, please <laughs> sponsor with us. Promote us. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you to uh, myself for Alan. For Matthew, <coughs> Matt's first time I said Matthew, your name popped up in a weird way. Uh, Brady and all the Keyhole Patreon subscribers, we appreciate it and everything that you do for us. Thank you to Vanessa House. Please check them out. Let's keep that ball rolling. And as always, and as we do every single time, and as we will always do, Boomer! Sooner don't choke in the second half against Kansas State.